Howdy ho, universe. Uh, the stitched together episode coming up isn't something I would normally apologize for, but the ending, the last eight seconds of the original second part were unintelligible and frankly were the whole point. Uh, so I had to re-record eight seconds of my own conversation so that it could be clearly heard what I was trying to say. I don't know what marbles were in my mouth. I don't know what saliva was falling out of my lips. I don't even know what I was doing when I spoke those eight seconds of terrible English language. But having spoken 44 seconds of terrible content language just now, well, I leave you to your own devices. Listening to anything that follows is your fault. Whoo! So, I don't think I could have done worse in opening the next chapter, season, whatever, clump of 53 recordings than I did with what precedes this recording in uh, 30 minutes of... Huh, I don't even know what I was talking about, being an alcoholic in high school, which I clearly was, but I don't agree with the concept of alcoholic in the first place. We do what we want. When I wanted to stop drinking, I did. I, I just don't see it as any other way. You can 12-step your way all the way through the lenient support groups necessary to finally come to the realization that, yeah, alcohol needs to stop. But it'll stop when you decide to stop. No other time. So, again, I just... So... Nothing except the uh, idea that in other lives I've been genderless or female, dominantly, was on my list of shit to talk about. In fact, I came up with six other points, which means I had seven points to kick off the Octo... What is this one called? Octolink? No, that's something like a bicycle. Wait, Octo... Octothon? Octothon? Octagon? No. We're calling this, uh, what are we calling this? Whatever. Octopical. Right. Octopical. Maybe. Okay, I'm pretty sure that's it. Um, I did invent it this afternoon, so you'd think I'd be able to retain that information through the evening. But no, probably that has been pushed out of my brain to make room for the fact that I have to be at work sometime in the next hour to two. Um, and that gives me just enough window to record an addendum, well, part, <laughs> recording two, episode two of season eight of It's All My Fault, which we're calling Octagon? No. We're calling Octa... <sighs> Damn, that one's going to be hard to remember. Octopical. <sighs> Do I hate that already? Probably. All right. Um, obviously this isn't what I got on to talk about, but I need to do a couple dabs because I did run up to the local dispensary that's less than a block away and grab some of their premium shit because frankly, I felt like some premium shit. So hold on. Ooh, star doggy. Okay. As CEO, um, uh, uh, media marketing director, um, 
horticultural uh, consultant uh, and primary vending booth uh, employee for this organization called It's All My Fault. Um, there, there can be a lot of hats to wear. Um, that when it comes to actual talent and the spoken recorded word of somewhat um, honest confession of a life lived eh, a little up, a little down, but with clear, focused, direct intent and purpose now. Something I wallowed without for most of my life. Um, why it's there now? I don't fucking know. I really don't. I tried to create purpose. I always failed. I tried to latch on to others' purpose. That was stupid. I tried to manifest purpose. It didn't work. I tried to pretend my way to purpose. Fake it till you make it. Believe it or not, does not work with purpose, destiny, or a meaningful existence. Maybe for a job in corporate America. But that doesn't match any of the other criteria. So my point is, whatever I went after, failed. And eventually I just figured it was me. Until I started seeing how many cracks my system of reality, the one that I had just Johnny Gung-Ho'd my way into being a fan of dedicated fervor, well... I guess 9-11 would be the very first instance at which I started looking back on the disconnects. What wasn't adding up? How uh, little accountability was truly being shepherded in a world filled with zany occurrences. Hello, 9-11. Hello, Sandy Hook. I mean, hello, Oklahoma City bombing, right? Some seriously weird shit was going on. And it seemed like nobody was being held accountable for it on the meta scale. Huge failure of law enforcement in a building filled with law enforcement. It's not an unfair description of the Oklahoma City bombing. However, I'm not here to denigrate our effort to stay safe in a country riddled with violence. I don't have the kind of <clears throat> pessimism to focus on that which is encumbering our better sides. Uh, instead, I like to think of how to unencumber that which is encumbering our better sides through action or example or investigation as necessary. In other words, why is it all broken? Why is it so hard to make it work? Everyone's here to do what they can to lead a meaningful, purposeful life that is being destroyed by forces that I think are intentional and working against us. So if we're capable of ferreting out some of those influences, 
well, then maybe we're capable of actually addressing some of these issues and as a result, growing together in the terms of fair, uh, of removing that which is aligned against us. I'll give you an example. Our voting situation is pathetic. There's no reason that I shouldn't be able to watch my vote in the 21st century from cast, however I want to cast it, from my fucking phone should be available. But whatever. If I have to go to a designated but local area and wait between 10 and 38 minutes to do voting in a secure yet transparent environment such that as I hit vote, I can now go at the end of the tallying, whatever, whenever the polls close and the tallies are in, I can now go verify my vote that all of the county seats, the legislation locally, the presidents that I have chosen have in fact ended up in the total for the tallies where I was intending. And this is, to me, just how it works. Your obligation in a democratic republic, whatever you want to call us, a system with voting, is A, to vote, and B, to verify your vote got counted correctly. Voting is not the issue. Verifying my vote is. And that is ludicrous. So, why are we allowing forces like this to exist? That cloak the voting system that we are dependent upon for fair and just representation of government. Is this not a delusion at a mass social scale? Seems like it to me. Or, the degeneration of our educational system. How is it that we can be prepared just as a world if we're not passing the knowledge known now on to the next generation in the most early digestible chunks we can give it to them so they can run with it and take the leaps and bounds that their next thought train will innovate. But no, 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 no. <sighs> no. Hand a cashier $20.83 because your tab came to fifteen eighty three, and watch them hand you back $4 plus a bucket and change. It's just... We've, we've given lateral thinking uh, zero room in which to develop once we started assimilating data in verticals that force dogmatic, responsive thought trains. I'll give you an example. When it comes to Ukraine war coverage, do yourself a favor. Find a way to cloak your search in a country other than America. 
search USSR, Russia, whatever you want, slash Ukraine war, and see what the coverage looks like. And stay out of BBC, stay out of Australia, stay out of South Africa. You can go to India. I highly recommend you go to the Middle East. Or you go to Asia. Africa is another good source of truth. These will just be nuggets of opening your eyes to how much coverage, redundancy, American media provides you to digest with comfort so that your narrative is never disrupted from the nightly news of, hey, once again, we had to go in there and hero our way through some fucking ammunition and fucking money, so we just threw it around like goddamn soldiers making it rain, but goddamn, did we get some shit done? We'll talk to you about it later. It's <clears throat> it's so monotonous, you just turn it off. You don't even care. It's just that seven minutes of nightly news that, frankly, you're busy boiling water for pasta. And while you're waiting for the segment about the new playground surface that lets babies bounce their little heads off of three-foot falls or whatever the next segment of innovative commercial opportunity to invest or buy might be. It doesn't matter. You're here to be easily uh, predicted. You, The less unknown disruption you're capable of causing, the more you're exactly what you should be. And I'm not even someone advocating for disruptive, outlandish behavior, or even just mildly disruptive behavior. But when there have become circumstances under which all behavior that is not aligned with certain myopic, preordained narratives, if you don't have America at heart, well, then you're with the terrorists. Whoa, wait. CCC, I always thought there was room for debate on issues as deep and textured as our role worldwide and the counter-initiatives called terrorism. Now, I'm not a terrorist. I'm not even someone who advocates for violence. In fact, I think we should just take all munitions and weaponry and bury it in uh, what uh, that, that vortex at the North Pole somewhere. No, no, those people are probably really cool that are in that vortex. So let's... What are we going to do with all the weaponry? Well, whatever we're going to do with it, let's not fire it off, right? But if if I didn't think that our better nature was to disarm and agree, well, yeah, fuck, what would I care? Let's shoot each other up. But that's not who we are. That's who we've become, but it's not who we are. All right. Off topical indeed. All right, here in session two of Octopical, we're going to get through these six points and then I'm going to uh, go to work.
Okay. Where I overlap with people like 90%, and it's happened probably four times in the last couple couple years. Yeah, maybe. Let's say it's happened four times in the last 18 months. It's just, it's so irresistible to not want to flood that commonality that I know I just overwhelm people. And I, I don't even know why I have to be so overwrought about these opportunities when they're there, especially if I'm getting four in 18 months. Like, this last one that came up, I'm kind of like, ah, oh. I, <laughs> I was weighing the opportunity versus the work involved to develop it. And honestly, I was like, do I have the time for this? I mean, yeah, this is heavy overlap, and this is a lot of opportunity to test some, well, of the more esoteric theories. But, uh, I don't know. I think, in some ways, I'm being shown that there's a cadre of us with aligned experience and outlook. But while that was something that I felt going forward, I was always going to cultivate those moments as much as possible so that I didn't pass them by as irrelevant or meaningless or even uh, low-hanging fruit. Ugh. Maybe I am going to pass them by as low-hanging fruit, to be honest. Okay. But this is just one instance out of all the rest where I've kind of thought, do I have the energy? Well, <clears throat> probably do. I mean, let's be honest. What else am I doing? Okay, two. Uh, God, I don't know if I want to talk about this. It's just too much exposure. Okay, I'm skipping two. If I get back to it, I'll get back to it in the very next recording. I don't mean to avoid any subject matter whatsoever, but I do mean to protect some level of emotional uh, privacy. And not just mine. So we'll slip in number three, which is, again, today I played my best tennis ever. Ever. I was making shots that were outlandishly good. And I was even fucking with just reach-stab volleys. I was seeing how where I could place them in the court, and I was deadly. Oh, and I was snapping, like... Sliding backhand uh, lob slices. I was dropping them in the opposite corner. I, I've never played so well. I've never made so many amazing shots. And what's funny is, one of the shots, this backhand slap, uh, like aggressive half move uh, coming in to the, to the uh, forehand side on a sharp angle though. Like a winner every time. And I must have hit six of them. And I didn't miss one. Because the the one time, the first time I did this, I've never made this shot ever in tennis in my life either. I, and again, I'm sure I've seen it made hundreds of times without realizing the motion. But as I'm in position to aggressively hit this ball, realizing that really the only way to dump out is to just kind of bump angle it left at like, like a half volley, the reaction to the placement of the ball was so natural, it was like, bam, winner. So the next time the ball was in that same position, I did the same shot, and it was like, bam, winner. So all of a sudden today, I have a brand new shot I've never had before, and I hit it 
four to six times perfectly. With the kind of confidence that I'm like, why have I not had this shot my whole fucking life? I was warming up before we were playing, before my dad even got there. And fucking around with my serve a little bit. Until I got to the other side and I said, okay, I'm going to give myself six balls and I can only hit two second serves. First first serve, it was borderline in or out. So I played it in. Next serve, clearly in right on the tee. And, I'm, and I do wide tee, wide tee, wide tee. Next serve, wide in the corner, perfectly placed. And fiery. Like one of the better serves I hit. Next one, I hit the tee spot Exactly. So then the last two I tried to spin. I spin a looper into that far corner that I don't even, I mean, I know that I snapped my wrist over the top to get the action on the ball, but all I was trying to do was reach up through the ball to make it spin down. And I, I was just like, and my dad had showed up at that point. He's like, well, that's not your second serve. I was like, that's not even my first serve. I don't know what that serve was. <laughs> But, I mean, when I say that I have these moments of true ascension physically, it, it, things are happening I'm not even trying. All right, number four. Okay, this might be where I stop. Okay, six is also interesting. Four. I was speaking to a friend about my thought that this generation needs validation. They need to be told that what they're doing is okay. And her response was, you've got it wrong. You're reading it wrong. It's not that they need validation to be told they're doing it okay. They need validation. They need recognition that they did it. They won't do it unless somebody's going to recognize that they did it. And I thought, well, that's going to make me think a lot. It's in a, in a, in a world of, of online recognized validated moments composing your entire existence. Why wouldn't you pursue an existence that did the validation or else what's the point of your existence? Of course, the reflex, the, the reflex of the existence that is has to be true. Her point was so on spot. And I'm not saying this is true of everyone or every situation. I'm saying the cultural shift of having a world of online social integration has made validation the point. Huh. Talk about the ultimate lull of human initiative. Because ultimately nobody really gives a fuck. It's all been hollow and bullshit from the get-go. It's just going to take what the malaise of a life lived in self-reckoning for it to all combust as the purposeless fraud of an existence you've been fed? Oh. Oh, man, do I feel for this generation. 
and you don't have any sperm. That sucks too. All right, what could break that would ignite the masses? Okay, so what level of wait? What happened? Would have to hurt? Would have to exist for the masses to think, well, this fucking shit's got to stop. Huh. I don't know. Will piece by piece take any violent action and somehow come correct with its purpose and need for existence in our militaristic way of American world so that stuff can't count? I don't know. Because whatever it is, it would have to come in a way that it wasn't on our phones. So, maybe we're already past that point. Talk about jumping a shark that we didn't even know was sitting there. We are so compartmentalized now that the idea of igniting the masses almost disappeared entirely if not has done so oh well I had a good life before all this stuff with the phones and everything yeah but now I still have a good life I just wonder if we're all living a life that if we somehow could unsnap from the ways that we've been fed to think we could all find a way that was so much better. But I'm going to go to work and think about that and put this on pause. And when I come back, I'm sure I'll have better thoughts than these last three minutes because, oh, that was terrible. Howdy ho, universe. It's, uh, it's Saturday now. It's, uh, four, 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 nine. Oh, four. Yeah. Four, four, nine. Now it's four forty nine. On the 23rd of September. Um, hey, wait, I missed that September 19th. It, uh, what is that song? Oh, whatever. Who cares? First year I missed it, though, I gotta say. Um, anyhow. All right, I gotta erase this. this. Okay, I don't erase anything. Sorry, the last 40 seconds have been useless. And I'm pretty sure the first 25 minutes and 15 seconds were useless because that was all recorded before I'd had any sleep. And I've only had three hours of sleep. But three hours of sleep is a huge amount of sleep when you've gone 53 hours without sleep. So, while I'm a little cranky, and I'll admit my topic matter for getting on to talk right now is about the crankiest one you can come up with. But it's an apology that's due to any poor, unfortunate soul who traipsed through whatever the first 25 minutes of this recording was to now endure this, to only have set you up with, oh, I'm about to talk about the worst possible thing you can possibly talk about. I, again, have no idea why you'd be listening. But, ah. Uh, self-abusive individual that you are. Um, I uh, I wonder 
at times how it is that we don't all just kill ourselves. Like, why haven't you killed yourself? Why haven't you, especially if you're listening to this, why haven't you killed yourself? What are the reasons? Let's take number one. I haven't done the blankety-blank that I want to do. Okay. I haven't had kids. I haven't uh, been married. I haven't learned to play the oboe. I haven't uh, planted a... uh, uh, Well, I have planted a tree. Um, I haven't uh, rebuilt a 1968 Chevrolet Camaro by hand. I haven't rebuilt a Volkswagen Bug in the physics teacher's classroom. I haven't done a hundred trillion things I'll never do. And yet, the idea that I have something burning in me that I have to do, and that's why I don't kill myself? No, I don't feel that. I don't feel like I had to have kids. I didn't have kids. I don't feel like I had to meet the soulmate of my tranquility existence? Fuck no. If I've met my soulmates, they have been anything but tranquil. And so I have to, what? I have to see the pyramids? Okay, that that's about the closest reason I can give you for why I haven't killed myself. I still haven't seen the pyramids. I still haven't seen Nan Madal. Still haven't seen Angkor Wat. Still haven't seen, uh, what, Petra. Still haven't seen fucking Peru. I still haven't seen Machu Picchu. So, unlike kids, which, again, not having had them, I don't speak to the wonder that it is to produce a child. I've always wished I could have been a woman just because women get to bring life into the world. It's the single greatest thing there is to experience. So I get that I don't have that framework on which to say, yeah, but once you've had kids, the pyramids might as well just be fucking Legos. Okay, fair enough. But if you haven't had kids, the pyramids might be your number one reason why you're still here. So if I have to do blank, I have to, what, write my personal autobiography? I have to entertain the masses? I have to break out in song, what do you have to do? Like, what? literally, why aren't, haven't you killed yourself? Well, because the next day will be better. Will it? You, you have an optimistic outlook, thus the pessimism of suicide is ridiculous? Huh, maybe. Because there is admittedly a life force in us all that demands we do what we can to not get snuffed out by the saber-toothed tiger that's prowling outside the cave. We don't just jump out there to see what's growling and hissing that sounds so ominous. No, we protect ourselves from said threats with regularity. So there is the idea that my life force won't let me. But really? I don't know. How How is it that, what, 80,000? Well, if you count drug overdoses, somewhere in the 
quarter of a million people in this country every year decide that their life force doesn't have that much resilience. It's a sliding slope on which slippery footing is everywhere. And as much as I agree that this, more than the pyramids, is the reason we persist. Because we have to. We literally don't know another way. There are very few things in this world that feel wrong to me. But the idea of taking my own life is one of them. Is that conditioned, maybe? I don't have religious background, so nobody has sworn the wrath of God into me if I'm not following the moral alignment of staying alive unless I slip off of a mountain trail into a rocky crevasse. Nobody's told me I can't kill myself, or that demons of some ungodly nature lie in wait if I do. As far as I was concerned, suicide felt a lot like poking a hole in a helium balloon. Eventually, it's not what it used to be. So, why haven't you killed yourself? Well, this experience is too wonderful to think of snuffing myself out. <laughs> I don't know that that line of reasoning exists anymore. No, no, no. I think, I think ultimately, when you get right down to it, it's simple. The reason you haven't killed yourself is because you're the single most fucking important thing in your life. It's you. In fact, it's the only thing ultimately that matters is you. Everything boils down to you. What will I get out of this? What will I learn from this? What will I grow from this? What will I proceed forward with from this? How will this negatively affect me? It's all you. You can't take out the only fucking interesting thing in the game. It's all you. The idea of killing yourself means stopping you. And you're the most fucking important thing in life. And yet, look how we act given this stark baseline reality. You're here in a game where you're the most important fucking piece playing. And how do you treat yourself? What do you do that says, wow, with this opportunity, what's my limit? How far can I take it? What can I really do? Or do you sit back, get told that you're not worthy, not smart enough, not tall enough, not pretty enough, not white enough, whatever limitation that's immediately thrust upon you, well, you accept it. 
And that's the beginning of thinking. Do I even want to be here? But I suspect that the problem isn't necessarily assessing the circumstance. It's the rules that you're imposing upon yourself to play the game. You're in a human meat suit filled with the soul energy of eternity. And what are you doing with it? Seriously. What the fuck are you doing with your life? That's going to matter to you when you look back across eternity. That's going to sing to you from the highest praises of angelic creation. This is your chance to be God. And you're God. You're the most important fucking piece in the game. How's it working out? What are you doing to leave an imprint on your own soul in 3D reality that made the human experience everything it can be? The transcendent version, not the limited version. Are the limitations being posed upon you, keeping your human suit from experiencing the greatness that we're all here to achieve? Or are the limitations on your human experience, all self-imposed. 